Uh, so if you guys um, have seen me running around before the house, you know that I have a little, like, almost one-and-a-half-year-old. And he currently is in, like, the babbling stage where he's talking but not really making any sense. Uh, but he is making a lot of sense when, like, he wants something. It is pretty dang obvious when he is trying to tell you he wants something. One of the ways that he tells you he wants something is by um, sign language. So we've taught him the sign language for please, which is a gentle pat on your chest. Um, and so we taught him this. We'd say, okay, say please, and then we'd give him something that he asked for. Well, what developed in him was, okay, if I say please, and I get whatever I want. And then what developed out of this gentle pat on the chest became a more dramatic, like, hitting, sometimes double-fisting, like, give me this, please, please, please. And he thinks that when he says that or he does that, that that means, like, he'll get what he wants. So he'll get my coffee. He will get to run in the middle of the street. He will get all of the balloons at Publix. He'll get the, his friend's toys. At one and a half years old, he already has a sense of entitlement. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that that entitlement does not go away as you get older. And our passage tonight from Galatians addresses just this. Paul says, you guys have been given freedom. Like you, we all have freedom to choose. We can do what we want with our money, with our time, with our thoughts, with our feelings. He says, you have the freedom to do what you want with it. But if you would like to be people of God, lay down that freedom and love the other as yourself. So I'm going to read for you those first three verses that we're talking about tonight, and then we're going to pray. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that um, you would convict and comfort that you would show us the places that we are living out of our entitlement and that you would draw up places that we may love one another, that you would grow these fruits of your spirit as we choose to step into that. I pray that your truth would be communicated tonight. Praise in your name. Amen. How often do you feel like you deserve more? More knowledge, more affirmation, more from your families, more leadership, more in a relationship, more than somebody else, more money, more of a priority, We all, at some point, feel like we deserve more of whatever. And the thing is, we are not the first people in the world, in the Christian tradition, 
to believe and think, to feel that we deserve more. It actually seems to be a huge part of Scripture that so many people in the Bible feel entitled like they deserve more of something. And we read in the Bible what happens when they live into this entitlement. And we read the Bible strongly speaking against this. So from Genesis to Revelation, we see God's people stepping into entitlement. We see in the very third chapter of the Bible, Adam and Eve believing that they are entitled to more knowledge. And so they disobey and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin enters the world, and separation and rivalry occur. Then Jacob, sorry, not Jacob, then Abel next, feels entitled to the praise that his brother Cain was given by God, and so he goes and kills his brother. Separation and rivalry happen. Jacob feels entitled to his brother's birthright, so is super dishonest. Separation and rivalry. The Hebrews feel entitled to a king when God says they don't need them, need one. And what happens when they get this king's separation and rivalry? Jonah believes that he's entitled to hating the Ninevites, separation and, and rivalry. David believes that he's entitled to his lust after Bathsheba, so he murders and cheats, has sex with somebody's wife, separation and rivalry. Jesus teaches on a parable where these workers feel entitled to more money than the generous, the generous vine maker offers them. Then Jesus has these two disciples who feel entitled to being at his right and his left hand in his glory. All throughout the scope of Scripture, we see people living into their entitlement, and we see what happens when they do. We see the fruits of the flesh appear, and we see separation and rivalry. Which makes sense why in that Galatians passage, verse 15, it says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When we live into this entitlement, what happens is we begin to devour each other. And commentators talk about this verse that, like, the early readers would have read that, thinking about these, like, stray feral cats and dogs just biting and attacking each other. He's saying that's what it's going to be like if you live out of this freedom, out of this entitlement. You will be devouring one another. If you're still wondering, okay, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm entitled, maybe I'm not. Um, in some of my research I was reading, and it gave a very... Con- I mean, compelling, but also convicting list of things to to ask yourself. Am I entitled? So listen to this list. Do you impose unrealistic demands? Do you have self-pity? Are you called a bully? Do you go to extreme lengths at at the expense of others to be happy? 
Do you punish people when they don't do what you want them to do, passively or aggressively? So that could simply be by ignoring them. Do you go to all lengths to succeed? Do you constantly see people as threats? Do you have a double standard? Do you take more in your friendships than you give? Do you look out for only yourself? Do you have a hard time compromising? Do you have to be first? Are people often offended by you? Do you think you're better than others? Do you crave adoration? Do you assert your dominance? These may be signs that you're living into your entitlement. And if you still don't know, another way to look to see if there's entitlement in your life is to look at the fruit that is appearing from your life. So this passage in Galatians goes on and begins to talk about these fruits of the flesh, the things that appear in our life when we live freedom for our own sake. When we do what we want, we live out entitled. And what I've done for you guys is you guys were passed out a piece of paper when you came in um, with scripture on it. And it is this passage both in the ESV and the message. And I love the passage and the message that Eugene Peterson has, has written because it really is very, um, like it kind of cuts straight to my heart. I like to use this passage in a practice called Lectio Divina where you can study and hear from scripture. I can talk to you about it if you want to. But I wanted to give you guys these passages so you could really let that soak in over the next week or so um, through reading and praying over those things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you the fruits of the flesh in that message version. Um, We'll have it up on the screen as well. I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to give you a minute afterwards just to, to think like, Lord, is this showing up in my life? Do I see any of these fruits appearing in me? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, a vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. If you use your freedoms this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. This does not mean that God is going to leave you or not going to offer you his gifts. 
But when you use your freedoms this way, when you live into this entitlement, you will not see his kingdom made manifest in your life right now. You will not experience this freedom that you are trying to grab a hold of. So what do you do? Well, the scripture says, put those things to death, crucify those fruits of the flesh. And it then gives us, actually not then, it before gives us a prescription to how to rid ourselves of that entitlement. It says, do not use your freedom for yourself, but use that freedom to love one another. To love one another as yourself. Those of you that have been around here or been around church for a while, you have hopefully heard this a lot. That this mission of this Christian, of the Christian, is to love each other as ourselves. You've heard the story of the Good Samaritan where we learn to love the stranger, love the enemy as ourself, to give them all of our resources and our time and our energy to sacrifice for the enemy, the stranger. And we know that when we love our neighbor, that also means our literal neighbor, our roommates. And so when our roommates are driving us nuts, we wash their dishes. And then we know that these neighbors are the people sitting next to you, are the people in this room, are the people in your classes. So what does it look like to love these people as yourself? We'll begin by asking, what do you want? What do you want right now? I bet you a lot of you say, I want somebody tonight to ask my name. I want somebody tonight to say, hey, you want to get lunch? I'd love to hear your story. You want somebody tonight to say, hey, do you want to walk downstairs with me and eat cereal? I don't really want to go alone. You want somebody to speak truth to you. So if these are the things you want, well, if you're loving somebody else as yourself, one of the best ways to do that is to give that to somebody else. That after this tonight, you would find somebody and say, hey, I don't know you. What's your name? Hey, do you want to get lunch? I'd love to hear your story. I got some Mox Bucks ready. Hey, do you want to go get cereal downstairs? Hey, you are loved. Here's some truth. And the, the fun thing about this whole thing is oftentimes when we love others as ourselves, the things that we are desiring happen. You want somebody to know your name? I bet if you ask somebody their name, they're going to tell you, they're going to ask you yours. You want somebody to go to lunch with? Well, there you go. That happens on mission trips all the time. People are like, oh, I just really want some rest but I'm going to choose to go on this trip, and then they feel this huge rest in their souls when they come back. And then we also begin to love others as ourselves in the places that we feel entitled. So maybe somebody has not texted you back or texted you back in the wrong way. And so as opposed to just getting mad and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be their friend anymore, I'm over it. We love them as ourselves and give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we then go and do something for them. We're like, hey, I bet you're stressed out right now. Let me do this for you. Maybe you are feeling entitled at work and your boss is not doing what you'd want him to do. Your boss is not 
having this organization go as she promised it would be? So as opposed to standing there and crossing your arms and complaining, what is loving your neighbor as yourself? It's going to your boss and saying, here are these expectations I have. It's going and being part of that organization. And being part of making those things happen that you are sitting there complaining about. Maybe in your entitlement, it is not so much saying, I am entitled to a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's moving out of thinking about yourself and thinking about other people, treating the opposite sex well. Maybe it's even moving outside of that context. Jonathan, my husband, went on a road trip this weekend with people from church, and they stopped for gas, and it was a married couple in the front, and the wife was driving, and the husband got out and pumped gas, and Jonathan was sitting in the back seat, um, and sitting next to him was a recently widowed woman, and, and she just lamented and said, this is a time that I really miss my husband. He'd always pump my gas. So what if instead of us just being so entitled to these boyfriends and girlfriends and these things in our life, what if we began to look out and love other people? We befriended a widow. We just went and got gas for somebody or pumped their gas. That would be loving the other as ourselves. And these things are hard. They really are. And we we know that. Scripture tells us it will be hard. And we look at the life of Jesus, for goodness sake. And he did just this. He laid down the things that he was entitled to. He was entitled to it all. And sacrificed for us to love us. And that wasn't easy. Philippians 2 words his story and this sacrifice so well. Beginning in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made into human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even though he was entitled to all of his rights, to all of these freedoms, he chose to lay it down for us so that we may have this freedom. So even in those places where you're like, I do deserve an A, though, or I do deserve this respect, I do deserve this out of a relationship, and I also want you guys to hear that I'm not saying, like, stay in bad relationships. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to, to leave, especially an abusive relationship. But Jesus, even though he did deserve these things, he said, you know what? I am going to put down my freedom. And I'm going to love the other as myself. And as we do this, as we practice loving others as ourselves, what comes out from us, what is worked out, not just in our head, but as the scripture says, in all parts of us, are these fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The message version, once again, beautiful. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, a deep 
we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but we work out it in every, every implication and every detail of our lives. And that means we will not compare ourselves to each other as if one were better than the other. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. And if it is freedom that we are looking for, freedom to do what we want, well, you know what? I think that this sounds way more like freedom than the fruits of the flesh. The more important things to do with our lives, being an original versus tearing other people apart. Joy sounds way more like freedom than murder. Gentleness, more like freedom than anger. Patience, more like freedom than rivalry. When we lay down our entitlement and love others as ourselves, we actually experience this freedom that we are so longing to have. Because the reality is, what we actually deserve is death. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. Yet God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. To give us a gift that we do not deserve. That's what grace means. A gift we do not deserve. And that gift is one of forgiveness and of new life. It's a gift that offers us freedom. Will we choose to use that freedom to love the other? choose to use that freedom for our own sake. And tonight we get a chance to to celebrate what he's done for us. To celebrate this grace that he has given to us by participating in the Lord's table. A chance to remember that he has died and resurrected, that he has offered us forgiveness from our sins and this new life, a life that is filled with exuberance and joy and love. So the way we practice it here is you're going to come down the middle aisle. Um, you're going to receive a piece of our gluten-free bread. You take it and you dip it in the cup. You'll go back to your peas and we'll sing. Tonight as you come, I really hope that you come celebrating that the Lord has offered you freedom. And I pray that you would choose to use that freedom to love the other as you would want to be loved. Let's pray. Father God, um, thank you that you offer forgiveness. Thank you that you work out in us our junk, and that you plant new fruit. I pray that you would give us the courage to lay down these places that we feel entitled that we would choose to love the other. Thank you that you loved us.
place in your name. Amen.